Welcome to One Moment Wiser. This is Christy Bridges, and I'm going to help you understand yourself better, improve your relationships, and connect with your creator. My guests share personal stories and wisdom, and in 2023, we're focusing on mental health from a Christian perspective. Let's get started. Hello, welcome to One Moment Wiser. This is Christy Bridges, and I have a special guest with me today. And just ahead of time, I want to let you know that we may discuss some things that are a little traumatic, Um, but that's because Mary Jo Ross is a survivor, and she is also an author and a speaker and an advocate for children when people try to harm them. So we're going to talk about some things that may be tough. I want you to take care of yourself. If you need to step away, but I also want you to lean in and let God talk to your heart. We serve a creator who loves you dearly and is at your side, helping you through dealing with any of your own past pain. And so we're here today to uh, talk about those things. Um, Mary Jo, thank you so much for being here. And I just appreciate oh, all the this to, um, you know, to just share. Go ahead, please. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, that's okay. I just want to say thank you so much. And it's interesting because God's just been opening doors right and left. And this is another one. So I appreciate you. So. Tell us a little bit about your experience, you know, just so we can get to know you. Okay. Um, I call it my 17 years of hell when I was growing up. I was born into a generational satanic cult. I was pimped out by four different family members and went through a lot of other abuse. But with God's help and people's patience and just a lot of things, a lot of therapy, those kinds of things. I am living a wonderful life now. I'm on this other side. I'm a thriver. And I want people to know it doesn't matter your trauma. You can be okay. You can have a great life. I agree. Boy, just um, whenever I'm around you, you come across with this kind of quiet, well, quiet power, like like the power is just rumbling under the surface, right? And I love that about you. So I 17 years seems like a really long time. And and that was basically your whole growing up time. So yes. you didn't transform overnight into the person that I know. Can you tell me a little bit about that journey from living in this nightmare to living the way you are now? Well, I have a hard head. I'm a little stubborn. (laughs) (laughs) And God has my back. And so with the generational satanic cult, you're not supposed to leave and live. You're supposed to have an accident or a suicide. And in fact, my dad committed suicide my senior year. My older sister did a few years later. And it was really tough. I had to totally break away. But part of that was school was where I was safe. I was bullied and all that, but I did well in school. And that was my outlet. And so I knew if I ever wanted to break away, get out of town, any of that, I had to get scholarships. 
So I earned six and I went away to college and didn't go back. But there's a lot more to it than that. About 25, 30, well, 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. I spoke for the first time at a law enforcement conference in Wichita, Kansas. I had done a lot of struggling, trying to get people to believe me so I could get help, so I could break the cycle, so my children wouldn't be exposed to it. And got told that I was a liar and I made it up and I was, you know, just trying to get attention. But that's a story for another day. But so along the way, I did some radio interviews because when you do something like that, you're very vulnerable. I was very vulnerable and my children were. And so I had to speak publicly because I wanted people to make sure and investigate it if anything happened to me. Or to them, it would be white. And so that was a big thing was with the cult and everything. You're not supposed to talk. And so I was talking loudly. <laughs> loudly and frequently but, because that was survival. Yes. Oh, that's and, very smart. And so along the way, um, even after I had these therapists, people, psychiatrists and everybody tell me I, I didn't go through it and I made it up. I had the opportunity to speak with a former lieutenant at Cedric County Sheriff's Office. Mm -hmm. And we talked for a couple hours at a friend's house. And he was the first one that ever said, I believe you. First one ever. And I was in my early 20s. He's still my hero. And so he introduced me to a friend of his that he worked a lot with who was a homicide detective at Wichita Police Department. Mm-hmm. So they were my buddies because I'm like, I had bodyguards, people that believed me and would protect me. And so they had brought me in as a surprise guest speaker at a law enforcement conference. Mm-hmm. So I spoke there and then I didn't speak for a long time. I did a lot of therapy, did different things. And it wasn't till... You know, I did therapy off and on, didn't have the best relationships, you know, (laughs) went through really angry at God. Yeah. And I was, I remember stomping around. I was cussing. I was yelling and chewing him out because he didn't stop it. He let it happen. And so I went through months. I was just furious, but God could take it. Humans can't take it, but God could take it. And that's been a big deal because he's been there for me. It's wonderful. So I want to back up for just a second. Mm-hmm. As a child, um, there are certain things that are just part of the contract with our parents, right? It's supposed to be part of the biological contract. And we are programmed to expect it. Uh, unfortunately, parents aren't always programmed to give it, right? So we we go through stages where we learn what kind of response we're going to get if we cry out. We learn what kind of response we're going to get if we're good and if we're bad, right? If we obey and if we disobey. Uh, we learn what good and bad is in our parents' eyes. We learn how safe we are around outside people. 
and whether our parents will step up and take care of us and protect us or not. And then we go through this period where we learn how to interact with other people, you know, our peers and, and outside people. And you didn't have rightness in any of those stages. You had <laughs> abuse from your own parents and from your own father. You had um, I'm really bad abuse, not, not just physical, um, where you felt unsafe, like you were going to be harmed physically, but that kind of abuse that makes you feel unsafe as, and and just dirty as a human being. Um, So you're learning dysfunction in all of your relationships, which makes, of course, dysfunctional responses, but you didn't have the kind of peer interaction that people are supposed to get because when you've been taught that your body is just to be used um, and that nobody is safe, then you have dysfunctional friendships, right? Now you're in college um, and you're different, right? And people aren't mm-hmm. listening to you. They're saying, well, you're, you're different. You must be the crazy one. Instead of going, how did you get this way? Right. And, and it sounds like the officer had a little experience with trauma victims. Can you tell me, you have a wonderful tool and we'll talk more about it later, but just for a moment, um, I just want to thank the Lord for this, this man who believed you. I'm so grateful for him. Um, but can you tell me just a, a couple of things about how you could recognize someone who is actually telling the truth you know what what is it that might put us off that might make us go oh no this is a little too weird and what is it that might make us go well this is weird but this person's not lying do you have some clues for us there well i would say if a child comes to you and said someone did something to them believe them Say, I believe you. Um, I've seen some research that says like 95% of kids do not make this up. Sometimes if there's an ugly custody case, parents will try and do that. But overall, children do not make things like that up. Right. And if you try to tell somebody as a child and you're ignored, then you may never tell anybody. You're yeah. not going to heal. And, and it, it's humiliating to be ignored when you're when you're trying to tell something so important and it's taken you such courage to do so so yes if a child is is telling you things um that it's very unlikely that they make those things up it's not part of normal childhood right to come up with that stuff um especially in the details that you know someone who's been through things has um now the satanic cult thing that um that is very unusual right most people um think well you know people just worship differently and they don't necessarily understand um some of the rituals you know and and believe that that's anything more than fiction um but again you know if someone is is talking to you 
and they're trying to share from their heart about things they've been through, uh, it is, it's really our responsibility to listen. And there's, there's a deep truth to the fact that if someone, you know, as, as children, right, we, um, Mm -hmm. remember, we speak up about things. We don't always understand what's going on, but if it's terrifying to us, someone needs to pay attention or if it's traumatic and we're trying to heal from it, someone needs to pay attention, even if our perspective was wrong. Uh, someone needs to pay attention because we cannot heal until someone says, I believe you. Let's talk. So it's not, I just, I just want to make sure everybody who's listening here knows it's not our responsibility to correct someone's perception. It's our responsibility to comfort and help. So, um, Mary Jo, this is, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk so much, but this is really important to me because, because it's not um, something people instinctively do, knowing how to comfort or knowing how to help someone. Uh, we, we have to learn, right? So you went through this where you, you publicly started talking about this and then you started your own therapy journey. You started your own healing process. Um, what... When you did that, can you think of a key thing or two that, that really made that help you? Well, part of it was, um, actually, I went through experience. I was probably 22, 23, mm-hmm. and I started having memories and flashbacks mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And I just decided I had one child, another one on the way. And I was bound and determined because the stuff I remember was bad enough that I did not want them to go through that. Yes. And I was going to do whatever it took to make sure that they didn't. And so I got the nerve to call the doctor. It was back 89. You had to get PPO. You have to get referrals. And so I reached out. I called the doctor's office and the nurse treated me like dirt. Wouldn't let me get in to see the doctor for three weeks. Normally, I could get in in one or two days. And when I went to the doctor's office, it wasn't in a patient room. It was in his office office. And I sat in a chair. He came in the door, mm-hmm. laid my file down, and then walked. There were a wall of windows against the wall. And he walked with his back toward me the whole time. said, so why are you here? I said, because I was sexually abused and I need help. I need a referral. Well, he wanted details. Kept prying, poking, poking, poking. He wouldn't even look at me. And so I couldn't, it wasn't safe anymore. And I couldn't tell details because there would have been, there's so much that had happened to me. Right. But that's when my some of my stubbornness started to show because he finally turned around and realized I was not leaving his office till I got a referral. Well, yeah. <laughs> if you're well, uncomfortable <laughs> talking to your patient, that's okay. She just wants a referral to see another doctor. <laughs> yeah. Right. How hard is that? As you're out. And so <laughs> I did not leave until I had a referral, mm-hmm. but it was to a psychi- a woman psychiatrist that he knew. Good. So appointment was scheduled two weeks later before I left the clinic, mm-hmm. went down there. I was living in El Dorado, Kansas at the time, and she was down in Wichita. Yeah. 
And for anybody who hasn't gone on a psychiatrist visit before, usually it takes an hour the first time. So they check you out, see, talk to you, and then they might prescribe medication. You come back for short visits. Mm-hmm. Well, this time, the psychiatrist was back behind her power desk. I don't know why we weren't sitting elsewhere. It was just a weird thing. Mm-hmm. And so why are you here? I said, because I was abused and I need help. I want to protect my children. Well, tell me about it. Poke, poke, details, details, details. Ten minutes into our visit, she was walking me out, said I was wasting her time. I was making it up for attention. And that was it. Enough. She marched me out the door. Oh, I just want to punch people. Okay. And and just in case anybody's not clear, psychiatry, psychiatrists give medicine psychologists counsel, right? Um, Once in a while, a psychiatrist will do a little counseling, but for the most part, they are in the medical part and psychologists are there to listen and and counsel. And and of course, we don't know that sometimes as patients. When our doctors, you know, send us to someone, we just go to that specialist um, they came up with. So, oh, in this case, you've been to two people who are like not even hearing What's going on? So I was, I was so devastated. It was 23 miles back home that I had to keep pulling over because I was crying so hard. Right. And so I ended up going to the mental health place in town, which was on the main drag where everybody could see who was coming and going, which is why I had avoided it. Right. And so I get in there. Obviously, I'm in crisis. So a therapist sees me, calms me down. And then I say, I need help. I need to get a therapist. I need to do something. And she says, well, two doctors have said it didn't happen. So I can't help you. She said, the only thing I can do is there's an adult children of alcoholics 12-week group starting next week. And that was only a little bit of the problem. <laughs> but I said, okay, <laughs> I'll take <laughs> anything. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and thankfully, the social worker who led the group was wonderful. And I got to know him through that time. And he referred me to my hero therapist, who was a Christian, had dealt with a satanic ritual abuse, child sexual abuse, and all those kinds of things. Mm. And so I got to see her for a long time. I drove 45 minutes each way, twice a week for 30-minute sessions. I am so glad you didn't give up. So many people would have quit by then. And you are so amazing. That I can't imagine you still being back where you were at that time and just having given up okay. or not even being here because you gave up. So what a blessing. Now, um, you currently work with a project because you found help. People listened and you found help. You actually help others. Tell me about the Demand Project. The Demand Project is here in Tulsa. It started in Tulsa, I think, 10 years or so ago, but it helps people all over the country. It exists to eradicate human trafficking, online enticement, child sexual abuse material, and the commercial exploitation of children through prevention, Mm. protection, recovery, and restoration. And I'm a volunteer for them, but I also had the opportunity to tell my whole story for the first time last year at their two-day summit for law enforcement and others. 
And it was then I got my calling that I was not supposed to be doing business consulting, that I was supposed to share my story. And so that took me a little while to process and change, but now that's what I'm doing full time. Good. And so it's so exciting. Because if people aren't educated, if they don't know what it's really like, then they can make assumptions, right? Like it didn't happen. It's all in your head. And, um, and, you know, people need to know there. I love on your website, you mentioned that, you know, there was a time when cancer was something you weren't able, you weren't allowed to talk about. Well, now, now there's this, right. Uh, we've, we've learned to talk about cancer and actually treat it. We can learn to talk about this and actually stop it. Um, I know that since 2020 online temptations have become just exponentially out there and it's stomach churning. Um, and I support a, a few anti-trafficking organizations myself. So the demand project is us based and helps to educate law enforcement officers. And then what else do they do? Well, and attorneys and social worker, anybody who works nice. with people being rescued from trafficking, they all, we also have the largest campus in the country mm-hmm. for girls who have been rescued from trafficking for the ages of 11 to 17. So it's part of DHS, it's accredited, all that. And we hope to have another campus just for boys in the next few years. Good, because that is significant. It is, because people think it only happens to girls, but it happens to boys too. Mary Jo, I'm so glad that you are, you have realize this is what you are made to do. And and I hate that, um, that you had to go through it at all. I, I, I have felt that way at times, God, where were you? And he promises to be with us when we walk through the fire. Um, there are so many promises in his word that indicate we still have to go through the fire, right? Um, but he's with us and he's with us, healing us. This life, uh, some days may seem eternal, but this existence here is this much of an eternal lifespan. And, and even the worst things that people have done to you can be turned into, you know, jewels that, that make you stronger mm-hmm. and uh, more impactful, more able to help others. So I'm grateful that you you're here, that you're here to take care of you. You have a wonderful resource on your site. Uh, You said people right now should probably email you if they want it, but can you tell us a little bit more about that? We touched on it for a second, but, but tell us a little bit more about that resource. Sure. Um, Actually, I have a version on my website, which is maryjoross.com, but I have an updated version. That's a little more organized and some things. So it's called tips for helping a survivor through their healing process. Yeah. And one of the things that's important to keep in mind is survivors did not have any control. Right. They may have been told it was their fault or they deserved it or whatever, but they had no control over that abuse. Mm -hmm. People may have tried to brainwash them and all that. They had no control. And so it's really important to not try and control a survivor. It's important to give them options and just be there with them and listen 
give them options. Don't try to mother, right? Sometimes when we want to help people, we try to tell them how to live their lives. And that's real important. And we can't, can't do that with a survivor who's already felt manipulated and controlled. Um, Another thing you mentioned is a lot of times people, especially the the people that I have known that have been through um, some cult manipulation uh, often deal with dissociative identity or people who've been abused by their own parents, especially Um, they have the dissociative identity. And, and so one thing we, you mentioned that in your tool Mm -hmm. that it's important to recognize that somebody may be switching um, what do they call it? Code switching where they're switching mm-hmm. different parts of them to, in, in order to find the one that's going to protect them um, in order to find the safest person to be in that situation. And that can feel awkward. It might feel like they are uh, pushing you away, or it may feel like they're being abrasive and you just have to relax and go, it's not me. Right. Right. Yeah. Through something. And I'm just going to stick around and support that. That's good stuff. Um, we have Thank a few you. more minutes. Do you want to talk about a couple more of the, the tips? Um, sure. Yeah. It's very important not to walk up behind a survivor without making noise oh. or uh, letting them know that you're behind them because too many things have happened from the back and you could get a bad reaction. That makes sense. And, and it's money. really important that you don't ever say, I know how you feel. <laughs> That's going to shut them down right now, then because you don't know. You right. were not in that situation. You do not know. Right. And even if you were, you don't know how the other person feels because they are a different person. Right. And they had yeah. different experience, right? Different trauma. Right. And so it's not like there's a contest out there for who went through the most trauma. Right. Oh, that's so important. Yeah. Yeah, We've got to be careful. You know, it's, it's one thing to reciprocally share, right. To let people know we've experienced our own so that we're not, so that we're kind of on a a similar level, but, but don't make it about you when someone's sharing their story. Very important. (laughs) And there, because it's not black and white because everybody deals with trauma differently. Everybody has their own story. And so there's not just right and wrong ways to do things. Yeah. And some people may be sharing for the first time or, you know, they're maybe sharing with you at least for the first time. And so it may take them longer to get their thoughts out. We have to be able to sit back and patiently open the floor. Right. And it's important to not tower over. Yeah. Sit that on the floor sense. if you need to. Be at the same level. Huh. That's a good tip. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Is there, as you learned to, um, you know, as you became whole and as you kind of reconciled with God and, and found comfort in him and you learn to interact with others and, and to get to where you are now. Is there any scripture that has just really supported you in this or um, anything like in your spiritual practice that's helped? Mm-hmm. Um, something that's been with me for many, many years is Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope in the future. Amen. 
Well, we are going to leave you all with that today. We are able to just grab hold of God's hand and let him lead us into the plans he has for us. And I encourage you to do so today. I'm going to put a link to Mary Jo's website, but you can also email her and I'll put that email information in the comments and God bless you all for being here. Thank you, Mary Jo. You've been such a blessing. Thank you so much, Christy. Thank you for joining us. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and join me for two-minute daily devotionals Monday through Friday at onemomentwiser.com. That's the digit one, momentwiser.com or on social media at One Moment Wiser. If you have a story you'd like to share, I would love to hear it. Just use the contact page at onemomentwiser.com. God bless you. Thank you.